Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RAA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Fin Lit by EWA. I'm Stephanie Bogdan, COO of EWA. And this week, we're going to discuss a topic um, that's actually near and dear to me, which is financial planning and investments as it specifically pertains to women. Um, we do have some unique uh, circumstances in our lives that kind of make the planning journey a little bit different. And I'm actually joined by our director of investments, Jordan Fidasco, who is uh, someone I've known for a number of years. And while Jordan and I have worked together for a while, we're in very different spots in our life, uh, just due to where we are in our career and where we are in age. Um, so today we're going to take a look at some of the unique things that face Jordan um, as she is pretty new into her career and myself about two decades um, into my career um, and discuss kind of the nuances um, you know, of financial planning at these different junctions. So Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, glad uh, to be here. Of course. Uh, let's just, let's dig right into it. Um, let's talk about first and foremost, um, you know, you're pretty early in your career, graduated from college, um, you know, pretty recently. Um, at this junction, will you just tell our audience a little bit about kind of where you are in the career path and the things that, um, you know, if you were thinking about financial planning, what would be on your mind? Yeah, so I graduated in 2022, so not long ago. Uh, and I feel right now that financial security to me is being able to provide for myself, be financially independent. And with graduating school, I moved home. My parents um, allowed me to move back home. They thought it would be best for me to save money, be able to pay off my student loans. I bought a car so to make those payments so that I wouldn't have to incur other expenses, whether that be rent, groceries, utilities, etc. cetera. Um, so that whenever I do move out of my house, I have the ability to either like buy my own house and get a mortgage or get an apartment and be able to afford rent and afford everything that comes with it and be able to provide for myself and for a future family. I feel like it's very important because I've learned so much so far just getting into this industry and from my coworkers being you, Matt, Ben, Chris, Jameson, and Nick working alongside him, giving me lots of in-depth details. So it's nice being able to get advice from experts in the field as I hope to like be an expert and also from my family. My dad knows a lot and my mom's really good with their finances. So it definitely helps having role models. Yeah, that's right. So your dad is in the financial industry. Actually, that's a funny story because that's sort of how we came to know one another is um, he referred you to our previous firm as an intern. Yeah. So uh, definitely a good, great background um, in your family around financials. But I'll go ahead and agree with you on the fact that, you know, being in this line of work kind of gives you a unique perspective um, that I think a lot of people don't have, you know, right out of college. They're kind of not thinking further than, you know, this paycheck, this month's rent and so forth. So I definitely think that positions you to be successful like very early on in your career. 
Um, and I think it's great also that your parents let you move back home. That's definitely like a leg up, like the ability to, you know, save either pay off student loans, kind of position yourself for what's next in life, like in terms of big steps. Have you so far, um, you know, since you've graduated, have you encountered like any roadblocks or any things that were particularly like difficult in like planning out your financial future? Honestly, I think moving home was like the biggest <laughs> roadblock. When I was at school, I was fully on my own, independent, and it was great. I like being independent and just not having to rely on others. So that was definitely really hard for the first couple months, but now I'm so appreciative. And especially too, because getting into this industry, I had to take a series of exams. Right. So starting to work full time, going home, studying, it allowed me to save time by not having to go grocery shopping or do whatever I needed to do, clean. So, so it's kind of almost like an extension of being in school to a degree, yeah. but you know, a lot more, you know, higher level um, commitments on your part. So. Yeah. And I feel like I'll definitely run into more roadblocks. I'm not sure what they'll exactly be or look like yet, but like making financially responsible decisions aren't the easiest. No, absolutely. I mean, and I'll age myself here a little bit um, also. So I graduated from college 20 ish years ago, we'll call it. Um, and I started out in this field as well, um, you know, various roles and whatnot. And so I can definitely, you know, identify with like starting out, you know, you're learning a lot, you're trying to like kind of put one foot in front of the other and kind of make all the right decisions. So, you know, my personal like journey, I think is very interesting when it comes to that. So I got out of college, started working as a financial advisor with Ameriprise um, here in Pittsburgh. Um, same thing, a lot of exams, you know, just trying to kind of make things you know, ends meet. I did not move back in with my parents, but I wish I had. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of starting in the same place, uh, you know, I worked, um, some of the things that like you focus on early on are, you know, getting into your 401k program, making sure that you have like good group benefits, um, making sure that, you know, you're trying to create that emergency fund. So if something happens, you know, you can continue, you know, um, you know, with saving and, you know, that financial journey without you know, taking a step backwards. Um, and for me personally, you know, I worked in the industry for um, the better part of a decade before I had a very uh, interesting step. I don't want to call it backwards, but a change um, in my life trajectory, which was, you know, pausing, um, getting married, having two kids and, you know, stepping away from the workforce for the better part of six years. Um, so that was a super interesting I think, you know, gear shift for me between, you know, working, 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 saving, 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 you know, really like forward thinking to saying, okay, now the focus has to shift, you know, from that to being completely different role, like being mom, parent, and then wondering also like, okay, I know I eventually go back to work. What does that mean for me? And like, what type of changes that I have to make like to my financial plan to account for those like six years of not working? So we'll dig into that a little bit more. Um, but I think that's definitely, it was a blessing, but it's also something that you need to plan around. So we'll talk a little bit about where your future is going and um, you know, how those breaks kind of affect women um, and whatnot. So um, Jordan, let's dig into um, the next topic, uh, which is 
we have some pretty interesting statistics about women in financial planning. So uh, did you know that women outlive men typically by approximately four years? So U.S. life expectancy, um, as of the last CDC report, was 85 for women and 81 for men. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think that means specifically for you know women in their financial planning journey? Yeah, so for based off the stats in women living approximately four years longer, then males, they have to account for a couple years of retirement on their own. Right. So they have to make sure that they're prepared in case like that actually comes to fruition in their case, right. that they have the money to be able to continue to live on their retirement needs. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're talking, if you're, let's say that you live to be 80, you know, and your spouse passes away at that point, um, you're accounting for a minimum of four, potentially more years, you know, during retirement in which you need to fund your lifestyle. And then something also, I think we talked about in a previous podcast was that, you know, if you're married for 40 years, right, you're being taxed at a married, typically a married filing jointly tax status. That changes really significantly when you are a widow or a widower for that matter. Um, you revert back to a single person for tax purposes. So oftentimes that's something that's not factored in um, that I think like when you know, cross that bridge when you get there, but that can have a significant impact on how quickly you know, you're drawing down funds. Now, one could also say that you know, as a single person in your 80s, maybe your spending is going to be significantly less without your spouse or partner present. Um, but there's still definitely caveats to that. So second statistic um, I find very interesting, um, and we could talk a lot about this as women, um, you know, in this field. 50 years ago, there were only 5% of women in the workforce who out-earned their spouse. So fast forward to present, and now that number is 16% and growing. So that means that 16% of women in the workforce are like the breadwinners, primary breadwinners in their household and are out earning their partner or spouse. What do you think about that statistic? That one blew me away. Um, actually, I, I, it's a very big increase. Yeah, it is a very big increase. I feel like more women are being pushed to continue their education in college and then come out of school and they find their career and just become very passionate about it and they strive and excel right. and they just end up being the breadwinner of their family. And it's good that more women are going to school and continuing their education. Yeah, I mean, I'll speak from like, you know, personal experience on that is that, um, you know, I always knew I'd have a career. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have found a career that I'm exceptionally passionate about and that I intend on, you know, working in until I get to that big you know, bridge of retirement. Um, but I didn't know in like what capacity I would work and I didn't know really like how quickly I would get there. So, um, you know, one of the things I think that has pushed this is that a lot of spouses, a lot of men, uh, partners are getting more comfortable with the fact um, that their spouse may or may not like earn you know more than them. Um, I find a lot of clients we even have um, where we have husbands or men who are staying at home and taking care of the kids more and handling some of the more like domestic tasks um, while their spouse or partner goes out and works. And so, I mean, in my case particularly, you know, my husband does a great job, but he is able to work an earlier schedule and have some like very, you know, consistent time where he's there for the kids after school. Um, he's able to do activities. Um, you know, he really like holds down the home front for me. And what that's done is really just open up like this full world of potential um, in my career. So I can really, you know, 
laser focus on everything while I'm here, know everything's taken care of at home. And, you know, as a mother, that's like the biggest weight off of your mind is to know that everything's okay at home. Your kids are fine. They're off the bus. They're doing homework and you can really concentrate on your career. So I think that has really helped that statistic. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to have had that in my life so that I can concentrate here at EWA yeah. and, and grow the firm. So and it's nice that Chuck like is there and supports you in doing that. Cause you're able to excel in your career. You've excelled so far and it's going to keep going. Who knows like where you'll go and then like helping Charlotte with basketball. And then you're able to provide so much for your kids, which is every mother's goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, like your motivation, you know, when you start out, maybe you can chime in on this too, like your motivation at, at first when you graduate from school is to like really like find your niche and like figure out what it is that you want to be when you grow up for lack of a better term. And then um, if you have, you know, a partner or a significant other, you know, maybe you're planning that future like together. So it's a you two. So it becomes you and then it's the two of you. And then, you know, as you progress, it might be the two of you plus your kids. Um, and then eventually it really, you know, 18 years or so down that line, then it becomes you two again. So it's very interesting as to the life cycle that you go through from single to partner to married to parent, and then back to like kind of like that emptiness syndrome. So I'm kind of smack in the middle of that. Um, and I have a stepson who's already left the house. So it's very interesting how like your financials change, your goals change. Um, at times the focus is like solely on the children, but you really need to also then still focus on you because if you wait 18 years down the line to think about your retirement or what you want to do, you know, with your spouse when the kids are out of the house, um, you know, you're 18 years behind. So <laughs> definitely focus on all that. Well, let's move on to one more statistic that I find um, super interesting too. Um, there's actually not like a percentage on this, but it's just a historical stat that women are more likely to take a break. We talked about this before. Take a break from their careers most likely temporarily to take care of their children and their family. And they're also more likely to later in life take either a sabbatical from work or some significant time off to care for aging parents. So what do you think about that? And how do you think that would impact, you know, the financial planning um, that, you know, you might be thinking about right now? Yeah, I think for a stance in women taking time off for, to be a mother, just have to consider um, is your partner working? Do they have the income? And sometimes it is the best option to be a stay at home mom because, well, A, you want to be there for your kids, watch them like say their first words, right. start walking, yeah, crawling, et cetera. Um, but also like daycare is just so expensive. So if you can save that money and be able to put it towards something else, whether it's retirement or college savings, you can do so. Um, so that childcare can just be very expensive. Well, and you know, and I'll add something in on that as well. The ton of just came to my mind was that I recall, you know, back during like the pandemic and everything was shut down in like 2020. I recall, you know, I was working at home. I'm trading. The market's crashing of, you know, it, it's crazy. It's March of 2020. But I also had a kindergartner, a third grader and a seventh grader in my house at the same time, you know, doing schoolwork and whatnot. I was, I thought often about like, what would you do if you had like an infant or a brand new baby at that time? 
that really changed like the landscape of things. So now like the whole, um, the thought process behind actually having to fully step away from your career in order to be able to continue to, you know, provide for your family or be there or, or mitigate like daycare costs. That's probably changed significantly since then because hybrid work is so much more prevalent. I think employers are set up more so to allow for remote work, at least during like a maternity leave or maybe the first two years. Um, I think that landscape has changed. And I think that's really exciting because I think that people who consider taking a couple years off, perhaps they don't actually have to fully step away and they can continue to progress their career, provide for their family, and also feel like that balance between, you know, the professional and then the personal life. Yeah, that's nice too, because people are passionate about their job and it can be hard stepping fully out of the workforce and giving up that passion Yeah, for good reason, taking care of your kids, but that can definitely be challenging. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I will note that, you know, when you do step away from the workforce, the facts are, you know, you're not saving into your 401k. So if you're maxing out your 401k, you know, this year it's $22,500. That's not being saved for retirement. Um, If you have safe harbor match at your employer, that's another 4% on top of that. So if you compound all of that, you know, at the market, let's even say you get a 6% average return on the market and you're doing that every year for five years, I mean, we're talking $100,000 minimum of investment plus growth plus compounding. That has a really big, long impact, you know, on your ability to retire. So, you know, my thought process always was, well, okay, that's a trade-off between late now and later. So the solutions when we talk to clients about planning is be prepared to potentially, you know, work longer to potentially, you know, start to then when you come back to work, put your career you know, at the forefront, like hyper focus on that and hopefully have the support of a spouse like we talked about, um, you know, save more. So are you going to spend less on like luxuries and, you know, try to backfill some of that savings? Or are you just more aggressive with your portfolio? You know, if you considered yourself to be like a balanced investor, perhaps like you need to take on that extra risk to potentially get that extra return for the duration of your career. So lots of adjustments that kind of need to be made like around that true financial planning concepts, you know, should you take that time off kind of like early on in career. So time value of money is huge in that situation. So um, Jordan, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, your experience since you've, I worked with you before we worked here at EWA. Um, what do you feel, um, if you could give like our listeners, you know, early on in their, in their careers. So, uh, women in, you know, your peer group somewhere between like 25 and 30, what would be your biggest piece of advice that you've like extracted from our work together? So I feel like starting out, starting to build like good habits with, saving is being able to put money systematically away. So whether you don't have the option, you're not eligible to get into the 401k initially, you can open up an IRA account, a Roth IRA account and start putting, whether it's even like 50 bucks in just anything, because that compounding interest will add up and it just builds a good habit, whether it's any type of investment account and I mean, I rolled over my old 401k plan into my IRA and my Roth. So that was like a good step for me. And then setting up, I said, those monthly investments because it will add up. And then once I'm like paying off my car and I'm almost done with my loans, I'll be able to put more into that and start hitting those limits. And then I'll have an individual account once I'm maxing out my retirement accounts, I'll be able to put money in there, whether that's saving for a future house, a wedding, right. college, 
just being able to save for my future self, my future family and whatnot. Well, I would also like tag onto that. That's amazing. And I agree with you completely. Um, I would also note that, you know, when you're starting out, you know, you're nowhere near like the peak earning years of your, of your career at this point. So before you get into those like extremely high tax brackets to utilize Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, if you have that available through your employer is, is huge. Um, but also, you know, while you're young, while you're healthy, um, you know, hopefully in, in very good health, um, to make sure that you get life insurance, like term life insurance, just, um, you know, to protect yourself, lock in your good health. And then honestly, like your ability to work, your ability to earn, you know, the hopefully, you know, 40 years of work that you have ahead of you, you know, that's like your biggest asset. Your human capital is worth so much. So making sure that, you know, if your employer provides like disability coverage, take advantage of that as a group benefit, but then also, you know, um, protecting the rest of that income stream with a supplemental disability policy. I mean, that's huge. That's something that I would note, you know, on a personal level also, and going back to the conversation about being the primary, you know, or women becoming the primary breadwinner in their household, is that something they don't think about? They don't think about the fact that, well, what if I can't work, right? And my earnings have, you know, exponentially increased over the last five years or so. Um, what does that mean to my family who like, I'm working so hard to support and, you know, if I had cancer treatment or I had to have a major surgery, what that would that actually mean if my income disappeared or at least in part to my family? So seeking out that supplemental policy, I think is really huge as your income increases, making sure that you're re-examining that, you know, at least every couple of years, making sure that, you know, you're completely protected is, um, is really important, especially when you have young kids in the house. So, um, Jordan, my favorite quote, and I'm going to get your take on this because I believe I've said this to you before. My favorite quote regarding like family parenting and, you know, planning, teaching your kids about finances, finances as well is a Warren Buffett quote, although he's changed his stance on this in the last couple of years, he is quoted by saying, give your kids enough money so that they feel they could do anything, but not so much that they could do nothing. What do you think about that? I think it's a great stance. I think personally, if I was a mother, I'd want to give my kids enough that they could do what they want to achieve their goals, find their passion, build themselves a family, but not so that they would just be comfortable, not finding that passion, not doing anything to benefit themselves, the world, just be able to take off in their career and their lifestyle. I mean, this is huge for me um, because I feel like most people that I know who have kids, they always say, well, I want to give my kids a better life than I had, you know, growing up or show them more of the world and give them advantages and opportunities perhaps that you didn't have, which I completely agree with. Um, but this is my favorite quote because I think there's like a very logical extent to that where you, um, you know, you provide your kids with enough opportunity that they need to like be doing something. They need to be putting their one foot in front of the other every day towards something. And that could be, you know, it could be college. It could be trade school. It could be starting their own business. Not everybody's path, you know, looks the same, but giving them that open architecture and enough to get started on that and then kind of putting the ball in their court where they need to kind of keep that moving. That's kind of where that really speaks to me. Um, we always all want to provide, you know, great things for our kids. And um, I think life experiences are the things that like I focus on with my kids and the value of, 
of hard work. And I think being an example for them of what hard work can provide and, um, you know, showing them that if you are committed, you know, you're, you're working hard every day you get up, you're doing something that you love, find what you love. First of all, that's a big thing. Um, that, you know, that is really like the road to not only, you know, being happy and success, but also like being financially fit, like now and later in life. So, yeah. And going off what you said, like working hard in being able to provide for your family, that's something that you should want to like work for and provide for your family and make those memories. I mean, there's like the buzzword of like work-life balance and um, whether or not you, you believe that that piece actually exists, there is a balance between, I think, caring for yourself as an individual or as a couple and looking forward to, you know, your financial independence and being able to live your life by design, you know, when you choose to retire or choose to, you know, um, even partially retire. We have a lot of clients who kind of make that slow transition. I'm um, doing that while, you know, saving for college. And then, you know, something that's come up for me recently is my parents are getting older, right? So here I am, I'm early forties. I've got, you know, young kids in the house, stepsons who are more like teenagers, early twenties, my husband and I saving for retirement. And then potentially really thinking about like, well, what would happen if I needed to be of help to my parents? So there's a, a term that that we often talk about and is out there. It's called the sandwich generation. And I'm like firmly in the middle of the sandwich where I've got the young kids myself and then my parents. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that, you know, women are more likely to take time off or to assist with their parents when they're aging. So that's something that I think about, you know, quite frequently is how to add that to the balance and make sure that everybody's taken care of. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it just drives you though. So I think that like, you can derive like a lot of motivation from that and knowing that, um, you know, how far you've come in your career and having a good vision of where you're going, but then also having like actionable steps. So I think we should close up by just talking about some actionable steps that like you and I are doing currently. So I would say my biggest thing is maxing out my 401k, my Roth 401k every year. Um, although that doesn't save me, you know, I'm not putting anything in pre-tax. That's not saving me taxes now. Um, having that bucket there when I retire is going to be huge. Um, EWA has a big philosophy around making sure that our clients have seven years of reserves. And that sounds like a really big number, and, and it is. So it's something you certainly have to work for. But having seven years of backup and reserves enables you to not worry about the short-term fluctuations of the market. That takes mm -hmm. the stress off of you. You're not looking at the market every yeah. day, um, not watching the balance of your investments. You know you're you're covered. Um, so that just gives you really like peace of mind. Yeah, even just with like personal changes. Because yeah. COVID, for example, I know right. some people lost their jobs or there was pay cuts. So being able to have those reserves right. makes it easier to take that time that's needed, find right. a solution. And move forward. Well, and you know, what's really funny is I, I'll age myself one more time is that, you know, 20 years ago, I remember as an advisor, we were advising clients to have six months of reserves. So six months to seven years is like a really big leap, but it's, it's a very rational leap and it makes so much sense. And if you don't have to, you know, worry for, for years versus months, I mean, that peace of mind is just invaluable. Um, so, you know, on top of that, I think like, you know, spending time, like we talked about, spending time with your kids while they're young and in your house, um, you know, on a previous podcast, Matt and I talked about families. And by the time your kids are 18, you've spent at least 80% of the time in your kid's life that you're going to spend with them. And that's like, just blows my mind. So balancing, you know, spending time with them, working really hard in your career, you know, cultivating your personal relationships, you know, taking care of yourself. Those are all things that um, I think about on a daily basis. And then I think like lastly is, you know, 
utilizing like debt and liabilities and you know things of that sort properly. Um, I think there's there's good debt and bad debt. Um, you know, most people have a mortgage. Most people have a car payment or a lease, but really utilizing debt effectively as a means to a goal um, is essential. So staying away from like credit card debt, revolving debt, things of that nature, if you can, except for, um, you know, purposes of like accruing travel points, then you would have spent that money anyway. So those are kind of my focuses, you know, right now um, to make sure that I'm positioning myself for success like now and later. So anything I missed for you, Jordan? No, I think you hit all the points just trying to save to put yourself in the best financial position for yourself. So for me, it's putting myself in the best position now so that whenever I get married, have kids, retire, something happens, I'm able to shift my life in the best way. Right. The ability to pivot is huge. I think it's underestimated to have yeah. options. So, um, Jordan, thank you so much for sharing. I know it was like a lot on our personal level, but I hopefully, you know, that's helpful to our listeners. I know we have a number of clients, uh, you know, number of women clients who are, um, you know, very high earners. They're providers, parents, spouses, everything. It's a big role to fill. Um, and we are grateful for them as clients. So for everybody who's listening, um, hopefully this information was helpful to you. Share it, you know, with a friend or family member that might find it useful. Um, always, Remember, if you want to leave us a comment or a rating on the podcast, that's great. That helps us keep the content going and suggestions are always welcome. Uh, So definitely tune in next week and we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button. Uh, Make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.